You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in Central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. I'm looking forward to NYSource being able to provide not just Columbus, not just Ohio or any of our six states, but provide our regions with energy and power that helps us drive economic competitiveness within our states, that helps us provide warmth and comfort to our customers, that helps to fuel growth within the small businesses, and that also provides reliable and sustainable energy to our large industrial customers. Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. Melanie Birmingham was a bit of a unicorn early in her career. There weren't many young black women from the Midwest in management at the Rochester, New York car factory she started her career at after college. But while she did stand out during her time there and later in the utilities industry, that didn't change anything about the way she approached her work. Today, Melody serves as Executive Vice President of NYSource and Group President of Utilities. During a recent visit to our office, she talked about her experience with gender parity and the lack thereof in the utilities industry, plus a whole lot more. First and foremost, I wanted to know, how does one get into the utilities industry? Well, I first must say that I am a very happy and proud Purdue University Bowlemaker. And so I started my career, I was recruited out of Purdue and hitched my little car to the back of a U-Haul and drove from West Lafayette, Indiana to upstate Rochester, New York, where I started my career in automotive manufacturing. I graduated out of Purdue's Polytechnic Institute. I started in business and then moved over to Polytechnic where there was a great deal of recruiting going into automotive and manufacturing companies. And so that was a dream job for me, something I had always wanted to do, and started my career as a frontline supervisor. After working, and that was with General Motors, upstate New York. And so after working in automotive manufacturing for about six years, I was introduced to a senior executive at one of the electric utilities. I lived in North Carolina at the time. I lived in Cary. North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I was introduced to senior executives in one of the electric utilities there based out of Raleigh. And they were looking for someone to come in and help develop a training program to bring together employees who weren't receiving any type of formalized training. And this is something I had done at my previous employer. Although I was over 
manufacturing operations. I had always developed programs to help train employees and pay for performance for employees. And so this had taken notice by my senior executive at the company where I had worked. And he told one of the senior executives at the electric utility, hey, I'd like for you to meet this young lady. She may be someone who can help. So I was recruited, hired by the electric utility there in Raleigh to develop a formalized training program for our generation employees across multiple states. And then after being introduced into that role, the executive knew that I had worked in operations. That was really an area that I enjoyed Mm -hmm. leading and had the offer to move into an operations position where I became a maintenance superintendent at one of our power plants in South Carolina. So that's how I got into the industry. It was really a referral from a senior executive where I worked in the automotive industry to a senior executive in the utility industry just based off of the work that I had done previously. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and I'll admit, I'm not super familiar with the utilities industry, Mm -hmm. but I would imagine you were somewhat rare as an up-and-coming female executive. (laughs) I was, and, you know, I never thought of myself as rare. You know, I come from the Midwest and what I consider as the salt of the earth people, people who do what's needed. And we do it with a high degree of ethics and integrity and sweat. And that's just what I did. I wasn't afraid to do it. So when I moved into, you know, when I went to General Motors in Rochester, New York, I was the youngest female. I was the only African-American and I was a Midwesterner, you know, going to upstate New York. So I was somewhat of a unicorn there. And then when I moved into other roles, I was definitely a non-traditional candidate or leader. Then when I went into utilities, I was a maintenance superintendent at a power plant in (laughs) South Carolina, okay? No one else looked like me, and my crews had not worked for a woman, never had they seen a woman working in that type of role in a power plant. And so I learned them, and they learned me. I learned a lot from that team, and they learned a lot from me. But being different wasn't a barrier of entry for me being received by people. It was just them taking the time to get to know me, to realize that we're more similar than we're different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Although she is a native of the Midwest, Melody is relatively new to Ohio, having moved to Columbus last summer. We chatted about the transition. You were in Indiana for a while in North Carolina. How has it been settling in here in Ohio? Yes, yes. So, you know, Columbus is a great area. You know, I'm from big, big Chicago chose to move to rural West Lafayette, Indiana, and moved to near the Finger Lakes of upstate New York, and then back to back down to the, the south of North and South Carolina. You know, I see Columbus as being the best of a lot of those areas. You know, you have some of your city amenities, such as your restaurants and museums, as well as some of the minor league teams, as well as our major league hockey team. <laughs> I know. Don't forget about hockey. <laughs> right now, Columbus is feeling particularly salty about <laughs> Chicago sports teams, I think. So, yes, I can, I can only imagine. But, you know, it's a small, big city. And mm-hmm. so it's small enough to where it doesn't feel overcrowded, overpopulated, as if, you know, I could get lost. I feel as if, you know, I can go into a community and, you know, 
feel as if I can blend in and make friends within a community. So I'm enjoying it. Someone else asked me that earlier. I work and I go home. (laughs) And so I'm looking forward to the beautiful weather we have so I can enjoy the river. I can get out. I'm a foodie. So I'm really looking forward to getting out, enjoying all of the different restaurants. I love art. I'm looking forward to enjoying the museums. And Mm -hmm. so this is the first full summer I think I'll have to be able to enjoy Columbus. Mm -hmm. And y'all's office is right it's right down the street. Yeah. I walked over here in my heels. <laughs> so you'll be able to do the Sayota Mile and everything during the summer. That was when I moved to Columbus, one of the things I liked. I'm looking the most. forward to it. Yeah. So, what exactly does Melody do at NYSource? What I do every day? Well, I work with just an amazing group of electric and gas utility professionals. I have responsibility for overseeing our six states where we operate, where we have regulatory and legislative teams working within each of the states. And then I also have responsibility for all of our field operations. So the electric and gas employees who work rain, sleet, snow or shine to make sure that they're providing power to our customers are in the organization that I have responsibility for. Mm -hmm. And prior to this role, you were chief innovation officer. Yes, prior to this role, I was chief innovation officer for NYSource. And Mm -hmm. so that responsibility, it actually fit really well into what I currently have responsibility for. So as chief innovation officer, I had oversight of our IT organization, Mm -hmm. cybersecurity, physical security, corporate communications, our customer organization, our supply chain organization, and real estate as well as digital and data analytics. Mm -hmm. Got it. I was going to ask, is there a lot of changes in the way that you get the product to the customer? There's a lot of changes. And so to that point, that's why I said it really fit well with me going into this position because the organization that I have responsibility for now is the customer. Mm -hmm. And so being able to work with the innovation team to develop an IT strategy, to make sure that we had cybersecurity and physical security programs in place to support those employees who are out working in the field, to support our financial teams who are supporting the enterprise. It really helped me as I transitioned into this role because I was helping to develop strategy and support the implementation of solutions Mm -hmm. that were needed for our internal We don't call ourselves customers, we're business partners, Mm -hmm. but if we were to think of them as customers, building them for internal customers. One of Melody's earliest jobs involved developing a workforce training program. That's a huge issue here in central Ohio. So I wanted to pick her brain on her company's experience with talent recruitment, retention, and development. You know, this is, first of all, finding people with the right aptitude is a challenge, but then finding people with the right attitude is a greater challenge. And so what we're doing is we are working within our HR talent acquisition organization to become more proactive in looking for talent. We're working with the universities and various agencies to make sure we're partnering so that we can participate in job fairs so that people know that we're looking for talent. I will tell you that As we are modernizing our system, you know, as we move to smarter technology, more analytics, you know, that's a different skill set. When we think about the utility of, you know, our grandfathers and even our parents, a lot of 
the work that they did was, you know, more mechanical, more analog types of technology, whereas we're moving to more digital, which requires, in many cases, a different skill set. So we are getting out, trying to partner with the various organizations, technical schools, universities to recruit the talent that we need for the future. And then we're also working internally to upskill or reskill, you know, talent that we currently have within the workforce. Mm -hmm. And so we're finding what people want are challenging careers and assignments. And so whereas we had some employees who may have stayed in a position or, you know, at a location for 30 years, we're finding that our, our generations of today and the talent that we're recruiting, they're wanting more challenging assignments and they're not afraid to relocate or mm. move, you know, into other parts of the business to learn and, you know, to grow their knowledge and experience. Mm-hmm. What about circling back to that question I asked about you being sort of unique as a woman and a woman of color coming up in this industry, is mm-hmm. there a diversity, equity and inclusion piece that you're focused on and what do those efforts look like? Absolutely. NYSource, you know, and all of our companies, NIPSCO, Columbia Gas Companies, we are very, very focused on improving economic inclusion of our suppliers, as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion of and for our employees. We have a number of employee resource groups within our company that work to help provide awareness and representation, you know, of the diverse group of 7,500 plus employees that we have across the company. As we look to fill our pipeline of talent, we're being very intentional in making sure that pipeline is diverse and not just bringing people to the table for an interview, just to say that we interviewed diversity. We are being very intentional in making sure that we hire diversity. Mm-hmm. And that's diversity, you know, gender, ethnic diversity, experience, age diversity. It's something, you know, that is a core value of ours and one that, you know, our executive team is very intentional about. So what is Melody most excited about today? Here's what she told me. I am most excited about, you know, what I, as a leader, will be able to develop in terms of new skills. You know, I'm always looking for ways that I can grow. I think I come with a tool belt that has many tools, but I'm always looking to sharpen those tools and, you know, to add more tools. And so I have just a wonderful team that I work with that, again, is comprised of the utility presidents, comprised of our regulatory team, our legislative and government affairs team, as well as our financial analyst and financial team. So really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to NYSource being able to provide not just Columbus, not just Ohio or any of our six states, but provide our regions with energy and power that helps us drive economic competitiveness within our states, that helps us provide warmth and comfort to our customers, that helps to fuel growth within the small businesses, and that also provides reliable and sustainable energy to our large industrial customers. I'm really excited about how we are able to participate in helping to improve 
economic development mm -hmm. within our states. I'm also excited about our focus on becoming more environmentally conscientious. We have your energy, your future plan across each of our states where we are working to drive a cleaner portfolio of generation to operate in a cleaner way, a more disciplined way when it comes to emissions, either scope one or scope two emissions, to be a good, not only a good community citizen, but a good corporate citizen to do well on earth. Mm -hmm. And so really excited about how we help support this cleaner energy future. Is there anything you're, I'll ask it in kind of a negative way, but you can answer it however you want. Anything you're worried about from that perspective or otherwise that could, you know, be a strain on on our, our energy supply, mm -hmm. on what's happening with more broadly? What keeps yeah. you up at night? Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, a lot of things keep me up at night, including my son who just turned 19 years old <laughs> and returned home from college this week. No. I have a two-year-old, so don't you tell me do. they'll start keeping you up at night 17 years. Oh, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. No, but, you know, I sleep well knowing that we have a very thoughtful team that thinks about, you know, and plans for the what-ifs. You know, we do pretty thorough contingency planning. We do, in fact, have a strategy that looks out beyond today and this year. We look out years out so that if things change, because sometimes they do. We saw higher fuel prices over this past winter, which is something that I know put a great deal of stress on our customer's wallet. And so those are things that you just can't anticipate, but we have to try our best to plan for them in other investments that we make on the system. We're very fortunate to see those fuel prices decrease where customer bills have gone down. But what keeps me up at night is, again, I want to make sure that our employees are safe. Mm -hmm. That is something that is near and dear to my heart and the forefront of my mind because we provide service that, you know, is needed for the livelihood of many, many customers and for the benefit of many customers to perform their work. And when we have employees go out, whether they're out performing service line replacements in the front yard, or if we have electric employees who are, you know, replacing poles and, you know, building substations, I want to make sure that we're able to return those employees home safer and better than how they came into work each morning. Mm -hmm. And so their safety is of the utmost importance to me, as well as making sure that those employees are working in a way that keeps our customers and community safe. Mm -hmm. It doesn't keep me up at night, but those are the things that I think about when I wake up every yeah, morning. Your priorities. Absolutely. Kind of, mm -hmm. Absolutely a priority. And another priority is just making sure that we are delivering exceptional and unparalleled value to our customers. Our customers mean so much to me because we have a responsibility to provide, you know, gas service and electric service in Indiana to our customers in a responsible way. And so when they see our trucks or they see our employees out there, you know, working, I want them to know that, you know, we're thinking about what's in their best interest, even when they don't have time to think about it mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't keep me up at night again, but this is what I wake up thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a, an inclusive answer. I have to tell you all, 
Melody might win the award for the most unusual hobby I've heard about on the podcast. What is your go-to way to kind of unwind if you've had a really stressful Oh, go-to way to unwind. Hmm, that's a good question. (laughs) You know what? I love to cook and I love to grill. And so if I'm trying to unwind, and one thing I do that I think is a dying art, which is why I can't wait for the summer when the farmer's markets open, I love to can. Mm. And so I will wake up on a Saturday morning at four o'clock in the morning so I can start preparing the jars and preparing the fruit or vegetables just to do canning. That's interesting. How'd you get into that? You know, I lived in South Carolina and there was this older lady named Mrs. Wilson, Mrs. Bertha Wilson, who lives in South Carolina. And she had canned food. She used to babysit my son when he was little. And I noticed these beautiful jars of preserves and beans and peas. And, you know, it reminded me of when I was growing up as a child. That's what my grandmother did. And so after she gave me a jar of the preserves, she gave me a jar of thick preserves. I said, I want to do this because I love cooking. And so I went out, I bought all the equipment, the tools, and she gave me one tutorial. And that was what not to do. <laughs> and so when she told me what not to do, I figured out how to do the rest. What's the one, one thing to avoid when canning? The one thing to avoid when canning is really when canning tomatoes. They're very acidic, very acidic. And so you have to make sure they're cooked all the way through. Everything has to be sterilized. So you have to make sure you only use sterilized mason jars, lids, rings, tongs, and you want to make sure that you know everything is cooked thoroughly because tomatoes are very acidic. So that was the one thing, making sure that you don't use unsterilized tools mm-hmm. and making sure that some of the things that you can are cooked all the way, they're cooked thoroughly. Mm-hmm. But I've done many preserves. I've experimented with a number of things and had pantries full of Beautifully preserved wow. canned goods. So, that's so you were, when that pandemic came, you were like, I'm ready. Well, I, I was ready. In my house I was forever. ready. I, I was new to the, well, I wasn't new to the area. And I was in Charlotte at the time. And I did have some preserves and canned goods that were left over. So mm-hmm. I knew how to survive. I can dehydrate and preserve. <laughs> I think I'm okay. That's great. <laughs> and then I, was, I wanted to ask as well, are you a big Purdue sports fan? Oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm a big Purdue fan. You know, I I attended Purdue at a young age and at 17. And I will tell people that's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so I do have a love, a fondness for the university that has taught me so much. And when I lived in Indiana, which we talked about, I lived in Indiana for about seven years, I tailgated. So I was moving back from the southeast. I'm like, yes, finally Big Ten, finally Big Ten sports. I was able to go to our basketball games and primarily football games. Mm -hmm. And so Matt Painter and Brandon Brantley and all the coaches I knew from growing up and going to school with most of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so happy. Jean Katie, of course, being able to get back to support them. Mm, Well, I'm from an IU family, so we'll just have to end the interview. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I have two aunts who went to Purdue. My mom's family is. <laughs> my dad there my dad's family is all from bloomington so are they yeah, it's a great university as well i've had great fun down in bloomington mm-hmm. when they all knew i was a purdue grad I, they used to be a customer of mine mm-hmm. and they'd make sure they take me around on their red and white golf court golf cart so people could see me on the <laughs> golf cart. 
No, but we're very fortunate to have great universities in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. You know, Indiana had great schools. Ohio has amazing, amazing universities as well. And so that's why it feels good being back. I do believe in working closely with the higher learning institution. So one of the things we talked about earlier was talent. Mm -hmm. While I was chief innovation officer, I had my team working very closely with Capital University and Ohio State University as ways to create pipelines into our data and analytics organization, into our IT organization, into cybersecurity, into our supply chain sourcing organizations. And so those partnerships are so important to me, you know, now being a part of this community that we're able to work with, you know, our two-year colleges as well as our four-year universities to create the talent pipeline that we need. Mm -hmm. because we will be doing a lot of work over the next few to 10 years. And we want great people. And it's wonderful if we can get those people from where they grew up Mm -hmm. and keep them at home, Mm -hmm. close to family and provide them with great jobs. And that's a good segue to the question I always like to wrap with is if you were talking to a new college graduate Mm -hmm. who was perhaps getting into your field, looking to follow in your footsteps, what's Mm -hmm. one piece of advice you would give her? One piece of advice I would give her can I give her two pieces of sure, advice? Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, the first piece of advice I would say is don't take yourself so seriously. Because sometimes, you know, as women, we come in, we're very stern, and we feel as if, you know, we're coming into an environment where there are only men, where we can't, you know, enjoy just being in the space where we are and enjoy being a woman in that space. And so I would tell her, enjoy being a woman and how you contribute as a woman in a space, even if it's a non-traditional space. The other piece of advice I would give her is, even if you haven't seen other people who look like you in that space, doesn't mean that space wasn't intended for you. Mm -hmm. So I mean, there are still areas where women have not moved into And just because they aren't there today doesn't mean that they shouldn't be. And so you can be the one who is the first person to start building a bridge for others to cross. Mm -hmm. So not to feel as if that isn't a space that's for you. Terrific. I think those are both excellent. I appreciate them. And thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And thanks so much to all of you for joining us as well. If you're not already, then follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll be notified of each new episode as it's released. Another huge thank you to Melody for joining us. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence.